Hi, and welcome to How to Build an Empire, the podcast that will take you through everything you need to know to build a marketing machine that can scale. I'm Danny Lev. Producer Sam is right by my virtual side. Hello from sunny London. Today will be all about how to get your marketing organizations right with Jan Breger. Jan brings a wealth of experience in marketing leadership, having worn all the marketing hats and worked with startups at various stages of growth in the high-tech industry. Today we'll be discussing the different types of marketing leadership required for startups in various stages and the pros and cons of each approach. We'll explore how to choose the right marketing leadership, where to find it, and what to watch out for. We'll also take a side trip to talk about how to generate demand through brand marketing by using content marketing. It's going to be a fascinating discussion, so stay tuned. Welcome to episode seven of How to Build an Empire. Today we have Jan Regev with us. Hi, Jan. Hi, hi, Danny. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, I'm a father of four daughters. So that's something that is quite unique and probably shaping the face of my life. <laughs> so not everyone can see me right now, but yeah, I'm, you know, I have a lot of black circles around my eyes and everything because always someone is, you know, awake during the night. That's a, that's part, part of my life. But aside of that, what I'm doing these days is that I'm functioning as a marketing advisor for several startups in different stages. Some of them early stage, some of them in the growth stage and, and beyond in some companies as well. All of them are in the high tech vertical. And in my past, I think that I wore all the marketing hats that the marketer could have. I, I co-founded the web marketing agency. Then I joined the young startup, functioning as a CMO. I was the ninth employee. Uh, then I co-founded um, a startup with, uh, with a good friend of mine. So then I functioned as a co-founder and CMO. And that, that's totally a different kind of uh, position with different kind of uh, skills that they one should have. And then the company was acquired by WalkMe and I joined Elementor as a VP marketing. And in the past, one year, exactly 12 months now, I'm celebrating one year as a marketing advisor. Oh, That's wow. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. So basically you have seen marketing leadership from every single angle. And this is actually why I wanted specifically to talk to you today, because I happened to see a very interesting post you posted on LinkedIn about the different types of marketing leadership in different stages of startups and what are the pros and cons of every one of them. And that is something that I would like to cover today. What should we choose? How do we choose it? Where do we find it? What should we watch out for? So it's going to be a really interesting episode. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. What, in your opinion, is the earliest that a startup needs marketing? or marketing leadership? Yeah, so I'll try to, you know, to wear all my four hats uh, together when I'm answering each of your questions. And of course, it's going to be unbiased totally, and, but it is going to be only from my experience and the scars that I am uh, on my face, of course. I would just say, say that I think it, it is important to understand what's going on right now in, in the industry, you know, in the, maybe in the high-tech industry in general, but specifically what's going on these days in, in, in in the marketing departments, and of course the leaders who lead those departments, because uh, we are all, or they are all under a lot of uh, stress uh, these days, as we see um, a lot of uh, decrease in marketing budgets. And of course it coming to kind of outcomes. One of them is the actual media budget that we have, whether for paid growth or organic growth or brand marketing or product marketing, whatever. And the other thing is that we see a reduction in, in headcount 
because to grow by all means, it's not something that is interesting for me, you know, as a professional, but I'm sure that for most of the people right now, it's not that uh, the way that we managed to solve in, in the past some sort of marketing challenges as far as we like to grow. So we just pour in more money and increase our budgets. And we didn't really, or many people didn't really care about the efficiency KPI, uh, like uh, average revenue per user and customer acquisition costs, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe we'll, uh, you know, drill down in each uh, later on. And so it's not a money uh, power um, anymore. Uh, I think it's all about brain power from now on or in the last one and a half years. Um, I think that a lot of leadership teams and of course the boards, the board of directors who managing those leadership teams, they all strive to see efficient growth or profitable growth uh, as it's called these days. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of marketers are not or didn't set up themselves for that. And by setting up yourself uh, toward this kind of era, so I think that you need to have the right knowledge, uh, proper experience, and you need to have, you know, all the skills that need in order to change or more your, or to adjust your marketing strategy that eventually it can go in the direction of how to create the best, most suitable marketing organization structure, how you should uh, distribute your, your, your budget, what will be the main pillars of your growth engines uh, starting now and on. Uh, Etc. And what what are the actual viable parameters that will create eventually proper unit economics? Because marketing, in my perception, is not just you know if you're talking about B two B, it's not a supporter or a support team kind for 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 the sales team, but it's I think it's a business generator and a lot of things can happen if a proper marketing uh, department is being led by someone that have the right knowledge, experience, mm -hmm. skills, and network. Uh, towards generating some sort of profitable growth. Maybe it is a bit challenging at the beginning and there will be a lot of failures. But later on, once you put a flag on the hill and you're creating a roadmap of how to achieve this flag on the hill, then probably good things uh, should happen. I actually agree that marketing is and should be viewed as a business generator and not as support, not to the startup and not to sales. But a lot of the people that are listening to us right now are two guys in a garage. Do they need marketing today? I would say yes. I always say marketing is as important as their code. But I'm actually curious to hear, what do you think of our two guys in a garage? Yeah, I, I think that my answer is yes as well, but I'm all, all the time, my mindset is to I am question myself as well. And the best way to question yourself eventually is to ask the why. So yes, but why? Why do these two people need um, a marketing function or some sort of marketing function right now? So then we can divide it to, you know, maybe B2B startups and, and, B2B, and mm -hmm. B2C startups. And PLG because, as well. Because, mm -hmm. Yeah, so PLG is more about B2C probably, but, but again, yes, this motion can be implemented in both B2B and, and B2C motions. Mm -hmm. So I think that eventually, or maybe to start with, if you, are, if you have a PLG motion, if you are catering for B2C users, we can say, I think that a, a proper marketing, uh, we can say leader or marketing thoughts should be injected to your first day when you conceive your startup. Uh, not just in order to make the right orientation for everything, every kind of, you know, a, a product or feature um, a prioritization that you are going uh, uh, to do, but also the way that you are going to tell the, fit, the product story eventually and how you should um, cater to, to your audience in the most um, adjustable manner so they will easily understand who, who you are, what, you, what your solution is, and what your product offers. 
And that's something that is really good for, uh, for B2C startups, especially if they use, of course, PLG. In most cases, mm-hmm. they use PLG motion. And that's something that is good to um, have on day zero. That's one thing. Um, on, on the B2B aspect, so again, the answer is yes. I, I truly believe that uh, in B2B as well, you should have a proper marketing thoughts injected to your, uh, to your you know, day zero of conceiving a startup. We'll just do you know, a small uh, a break, let's take a note. Marketing sits on three main pillars. So we have product marketing, we have brand marketing, and we have demand slash growth marketing. With B2C, more about growth marketing. With B2B, it's more about creating a demand. But eventually, when you're creating some sort of product roadmap or we can say business strategy, each function, whether it's a team or one person that do a few functions, they need to interpret the business um, definitions to their own efforts. So product should interpret the business definitions to what they should do, roadmap, features, prioritization, etc. Business should do the same, sales should do the same, and marketing should do the same. All those business functions, we can say marketing, sales, customer success, and business, they all should have probably the same kind of uh, KPI. You know, eventually they all need their own revenue teams or revenue functions, uh, but each should create some sort of a different kind of effort to achieve this KPI. And, and that's as simple as that. And eventually, if you are implementing a marketing strategy and you are part of the whole strategy um, creation, so um, a good marketing function knows how to take the, you know, the insights from sales and customer success and to implement them at the top of the funnel. And then, of course, you can create some sort of a messaging flywheel that should help you to create less noise in your funnel and mm-hmm. sales pipeline, but also, of course, to convert more, more mm-hmm. users. Especially, as I said, in B2B, it's super important to create the minimal brand equity. Brand equity stands for eventually reputation, sentiment, and awareness. So it should be minimal. So sales could have some sort of a, a proper sales motion. We can say a, a lower a, a buying cycle, of course, or shorter buying cycle, with a proper sales velocity or deal velocity. And in this case, marketing probably is more a supporter. But if you're building a proper brand, you're not just uh, um, helping the sales to sell better and faster. Mm-hmm. You're also creating some sort of uh, presence that will help you to, to create some sort of a, a demand tsunami that will wash over the brand tsunami or small tsunami that you already created. So that is actually a great segue to what types of different marketing are they? I mean, other than our founder gals in the garage, what else, when we bring in someone to lead the marketing, what types of leaders are there? Right. So that's a great question. And I think that eventually when we look what we have right now in the market for the different roles of marketing leaders, mm-hmm. we have a few options that we can say. We have two sorts of in-house options. One of them is a full-time marketing leader. In most cases, when we speak about younger startups, it's very heavy to bring on a proper marketing leader. I'm talking about head of marketing and plus and over that. It probably would be a little bit costly to bring it to bring someone like that over. And so an option, again, if the startup has their own resources and they can have someone full time, that's great. If not, so there is something that's called today, and of course it's not an it's not a new thing, but it's gaining more and more momentum as time goes by. It's what we call fractional CMO. Mm-hmm. And what is actually fractional CMO? It's an actual CMO or actual marketing leader. You know, it can be a fractional VP marketing as well. They are part of the team. They are, they are leading the marketing, but they also, as part of the uh, internal job that they do, they should be part of every kind of, we can say, or any kind of vertical, horizontal kind of meeting. Let's say that if the 
R&D leadership and product leadership uh, are meeting, so the functional CMO can and should be part of this meeting. If there is a leadership meeting of the company, the management is meeting, so this person should be present over there. In some cases, this person, because his function is the marketing leader, they might be part of the board or at least join a few board meetings as well, mm-hmm. just to show the, the presence and, of course, to translate the board need into marketing activities and action. Mm-hmm. So this is, this, these are the two types of, we can say, internal marketing leadership role that there are today. So we have in-house and we have fractional CMO. Yep. That leaves us with one more. There are external kind of marketing roles. Uh, one of them is CMO as service. CMO as service, it's someone that is, of course, not sits on your payroll, but it can give you a 360 degrees kind of uh, solution for everything that is marketing in your specific stage, the startup stage. So it's someone that can uh, mm-hmm. do a research, can develop a strategy, can, someone that can also execute a strategy because they are building, they have their own external team of whatever, freelancers or in-house for them. CMO is, uh, CMO is mm-hmm. service, uh, of course, those are people that can give services for different kinds of uh, startups and um, they are possessing most of the knowledge of the marketing knowledge within them. So, you know, there is some sort of trade-off between the two or the several kind of uh, roles. Mm. In this specific um, example, this person, along with their external team, can really overlook and do everything needed in order to build and execute a proper marketing uh, strategy. Once Mm. an internal CMO will step in, they will be able to hand off probably most of the knowledge and experience and everything that they build so they can take it uh, from there. Another role that is quite interesting and it's more versatile, it's a marketing advisor. And the marketing advisor usually works with one of the co-founders or one if there is already a marketing leadership role within the company. So this marketing advisor probably will work directly with them. But in most cases, marketing advisor will work only with one point of contact. Otherwise, they are starting to be some sort of semi-managers or semi-CMOs within the company. Proper marketing Mm -hmm. advisor, as far as I'm concerned, is someone that knows how to inject both knowledge and experience and methodologies to the organization in that matter that this IP will actually stay within the organization. So eventually, if I'm doing marketing advisory, I want that this point of contact of mine, this marketing leader, will be a supreme CMO, you know, after X amount of months. And of course, they will build along with the marketing advisor the strategy and of course, will execute it, but they will have all the methodologies and all the ways and all the tools in order to maintain it and grow it so it will be both scalable and sustainable. So we, we live with some sort of four roles of marketing leadership. Mm. Two of them are in more in-house, two of them are uh, outsourced, and one of them is very hands-on and the other one is very, we can say, not hands-on, but uh, of course, uh, with, all, uh, with a lot of break power. Strategic. Yeah, they can uh, really accelerate mm-hmm. the success or the failure. It's all right to fail as well as long as you are learning fast and, of course, optimizing yourself. So for our two gals or, and guys in the garage who come from a technical background and don't really understand what it is that CMOs do, uh, why don't you take us through a day in the life of one of the in-house people and one of the uh, advisory folks? There will be proper marketing plan. The marketing plan should be comprised from different kind of stages. We'll discuss it in, in a second. The best deliverable that um, a marketing leader should work on is the roadmap because the roadmap is the best way to, I call it, to have, uh, uh, um, we can say, um, fight or defend your professional and personal sanity. It gives you some sort of a tool because it gives you some sort of uh, reflection and transparency about not just what you do next month or next week, but also why you do that. 
פרופר מרקטינג, רודלאפ, שוד בי בילד פרום KPIs, core activities, and then of course, breakdown each activity to each of the functions that I mentioned before, right? Product marketing, brand marketing, and demand. Then everyone should know what they do and why they do that, because it's part of a given thesis that uh, the marketing uh, department or the marketing leader should develop. So this person probably should think if the KPI of the business is to have another seed round, and in order to have, it's like a reverse engineering kind of methodology, right? If it's to have another fundraising round, what will be the best KPIs, the business KPIs that we can do in order to uh, come to the, to the um, negotiation table with the investors with the best leverage? Mm-hmm. And the best leverage probably will be proper business KPI, so we can see both growth, but also efficient growth, so that we can acquire, let's say, customers or users in an efficient manner, and then we can see that the CAC, the customer acquisition cost, is, is being decreased. So eventually, say, all right, I got it. So this is, these are the business goals, and my goals or my business, my marketing goals are to generate destruction and to convert as much as possible. Let's get a little bit more granular. So they drink their cup of coffee. Like, for example, when yep. I do uh, that kind of work, the first thing I do is I look at the stats, uh, how the company did during the night since we are at uh, GMT plus two, and I want to see what they did in the States and in Australia, etc. Then we look at our campaigns. We see how they're working. Once a week, we decide which campaigns live and which die. We talk about the brand and how we want to, what's the next thing that we want to do to build the brand, be it thought leadership or, I don't know, something to do with collaboration, a white paper, a webinar. So that's just an example. Like I'm trying to drill yep. into people who have no idea what it is that marketing folk do. Right. So I think that, you know, it's very dependent if there are already campaigns and traction to the site there or not. Yeah, as let's you jump said, to that, yeah. like an ongoing routine. I, Yeah, so I think that eventually if we have some sort of business KPIs and marketing KPIs, and then if we have this uh, data that you just mentioned, like reviewing how the traffic looks like, mm-hmm. uh, how many brand mentions do we have, uh, we could say, uh, off-site, like, you know, not on our site, of course, so mm-hmm. we can see some sort of orientation for our brand marketing efforts. So if we have no mentions on social media, and there are some great tools like mention.com and brand24 that can help us to see if someone is mentioning our brand Mm-hmm. whether on social media or on blogs. That's something that can give, you, give us a great indication for a, a good or bad a brand equity. As we said, part of it is, of course, awareness. That of, this is brand marketing, or we can say good KPIs for brand marketing and to see if we are doing a good job or not. The other thing is, as you said, to, to look, to have a full overview of what the funnel and pipeline look like and what are the top-off percentages that we have between a given session, sign-up, demo if it's B2B or trial uh, if it's a B2C and of course conversion eventually that's why we are all here and then uh, when we look on that on the demand funnel and pipeline we can understand if we have good activity or not maybe we have huge drop-off between a session like the amount of sessions that going coming to our landing pages and, and homepage to the uh, signups for instance so a good rule of thumb is to have some sort of uh, 30% or between 20% to 30% conversion rate. But of course, you know, it's mm-hmm. very dependent. And I think that's from that perspective. And if I look on the product marketing uh, pillar or effort, I will try to see if I have a lot of churn users, if users understand how to use the product. We have a lot of KPIs over there, like uh, returning users, not returning visitors, but returning users. So we, we would like to see a bigger and uh, increased some sort of product usage. Uh, to see if people are opening the email, what is our open rate and click-through rate for the email that we send them. Maybe people, you know, they don't understand 
the, the email that we send them, or we are not segmenting them in, in the proper way, so we have lower uh, CTR. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I would look on those three kind of pillars and try to quickly understand where we have things that are easy to fix or you know, they are huge and must be fixed um, immediately. Uh, eventually, as I said, and I will repeat myself maybe a few times, it really depends what you need to do because it mm -hmm, can work. Mm -hmm. You can say, all right, let's, let's fix the product marketing, but the product marketing, it's not part of your current challenge. I think that in most cases, from what I see from working with several kinds of startups, mm -hmm. eventually you have some sort of um, challenge with your brand awareness and the demand that you're generating. And you should understand really, really fast how you can wrap together those two uh, pillars and to generate brand or to increase your brand awareness and to generate demand. By the way, great, if, if you want to, deep, to do a deep dive, a great way to do that is to have, some, uh, to have a, a, I call it bloggers network or a content growth machine, content marketing growth machine, to have as many blog bloggers and blogs to cover you and speak about you or to mention you. There are a lot of ways to do that. Some of them are more paid, some of them are, are less. But if you're doing this sort of content marketing or earned content marketing, you manage to do both things, to uh, generate or to increase your brand awareness because mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. or other people, external players are talking about you. And if you're doing it in a proper manner and you're using the right buyer journey in order to create the right article, you can also generate demand. Because if you're properly targeting a given audience and they see a lot of mentions about you, you can increase their curiosity and then they will just come and check you out. And maybe people with more intent will also be able to convert. If you do it in a long time, let's say four to six months, so you've been able to cover both brand marketing in a proper manner. You've also been able to generate a very good demand. You know, demand, I'm talking about full funnel, full pipeline. Because people will come to your pipeline after they read something about you that someone else wrote about you, probably will come more educated and with a higher intent to your uh, uh, sales pipeline. And more in most cases, sales will hug and kiss you because this traction probably uh, will work better than any kind of ad that you can just throw to the air in Google Ads or Facebook and LinkedIn. How do you acquire these lovers? You said there are paid and non-paid options. Why don't you give us the secrets? Here's a scoop, people. All right. I love the perception that you need to plan for 80% and then execute for in 20% if you're talking about resources and time and not vice versa. You know, if you're not planning a lot and uh, you say, hey, it will be fine and you're just executing a given uh, thesis or strategy, you'll find yourself, I think, if you work with other people, you will break plates each other on, on each other's head and it will be a mess. I really believe that uh, it should be properly briefed. You should create a proper brief. It's a growth engine and uh, you should treat it as a growth engine. It's not just another... Absolutely. Effort. But if I try to be more specific, you need to first uh, start with a, a definition of your target audience and, and ideal client profile because the content that you're going to, to create should cater or mm -hmm, target mm -hmm. them and their pains, their challenges, and their motivation. In order to understand their challenges, motivation, and pains, you should create some sort of a buyer journey. You can go to Google or to ChatGPT, uh, ask for a buyer journey for your given audience, and then you will understand how you can move them or push them from, uh, from, we can say, um, problem unaware state to solution aware, to product aware, which is you, and then to make a decision. And each article that you're going to create, especially uh, also for ads, it's the same kind of uh, uh, thing, right? We are not inventing anything new, but for content as well. You should know what type of content should help them, help, help you push them down their journey. For instance, if you will target people that are unaware to, your, to the problem that they have, with comparison article between your solution and other, another uh, company's solution, it's not good. 
because those people don't even know that they have some sort of pain or challenge. But if you'll use the comparison articles, for instance, for, and you will target the uh, users that they already know that they need some sort of solution, probably you will see better traction and better results. But that, that was just something uh, very anecdotal for, for this uh, specific manner. Eventually, if you know what is your ICP, you should know what are the digital bottlenecks they are hanging on. Uh, it can be blogs, because if, if you're targeting people, most of them should consume some sort of content. Content can come in the form of uh, educational, so people will, they need to keep themselves more um, educated and uh, to cater for their uh, professional growth. Or that they are, you know, consuming some sort of professional content that help them to stay current and with their finger on the pulse. Either way, those kind of blogs and publications, some of them can be huge. Some of them can be really small and individual bloggers that just... How do I find them? You know, publish articles. Let's say that you're targeting, I don't know, marketers, for instance. It's easy for us, right, because we are marketers. So let's say that I write on uh, Google uh, top or best marketing uh, uh, blogs or social media blogs, or if I try to be more and more specific, I'll get more granular and, and probably more detailed result, then I will have some sort of uh, a, a, a list, right? Let's say that I have a list of 50 blogs out there. Mm-hmm. And then what I can do is to give them some sort of score. Even if I go to, to see the domain authority or domain rank, I can say, all right, this is a huge one. I don't know, search engine land. But if I want to do an advertorial over there, like to publish an article, you know, it will cost me a lot of money. And even if I will reach out to them, I don't know even if someone will reply me. But if I go to those small blogs, I give them lower score, I will be able to reach out and maybe I will offer a fresh piece of content because, you know, they're publishing one article a month. They're just eager to have fresh content mm-hmm. on the blog. Mm-hmm. They want to grow their own their subscribers count and all that. So why not? I, I call it mutual break, uh, back scratching. It's cross-blogging. We can write uh, for their blog. They can write for your blog. But let's try to push the fast-forward button. And let's say that after uh, a month, you're getting uh, some sort of uh, blockers network that you can work with. Or let's say that we have a few dozens of them that uh, may, maybe we pay, maybe we gave them a fresh piece of content, maybe uh, we whatever they wrote about uh, for us or in our blog or whatever. Just imagine that for your little startup, at some point you get five articles a week. That either it's like a straight uh, review of your product or brand, or maybe you're just a mention over there. Maybe it's, it's a listicle of X amount of best solution for marketers. And you are there. This is, by the way, great positioning, but we'll discuss about it later on. Um, but if you're catering for marketers and, and each week five bloggers are mentioning you, uh, you're creating this sort of echo. And this echo, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's in a multiply uh, pace because um, people will get, though their subscribers will get it in their RSS or whatever, their, uh, you know, it's new, newsletters. Uh, those bloggers probably will share it on social media. Then you can share it on social media as well. So you're amplifying mm-hmm. the whole the whole effort and it's, it feels like there is something or someone big that everyone are talking about. And if you're going to those tier Z bloggers, you will see that eventually tier X will reach out to you and will say, hey, who you are? What, why everyone, all the small ones are talking mm-hmm. about you. We want to cover you as well. And that's where the flywheel of content uh, mm-hmm. should happen. But again, you need to have some sort of uh, critical mass mm-hmm. in order uh, to gather. And mm-hmm. as I said, great brand awareness and great demand generation. I, I, I love it. By the way, if you're not generating demand and uh, your brand awareness is not that high yet, you created uh, two added value. First of all, indirect demand. So those results of the blogs will be ranked on Google. And for long tail search results, it will be great. It's like an evergreen lead gen machine, which is great. And if you didn't manage to generate brand awareness, direct demand or indirect demand, 
this is a great thing for SEO to have some sort of SEO mm-hmm. juice and backlinks mm-hmm. and all that. But again, it's not for PR purposes because it's not for only for brand and it's not for backlink and, and SEO stuff. It's for content growth. It's in order to generate demand through brand marketing by using a, a, a content marketing effort. So that was the, the methodology on the, you know, really, really fast in like 60 seconds. And now we are at our famous segment, Based on a True Story. Based on a True Story is brought to you by the Marketing Hotline. Book a one-on-one, ask me anything with a high-ranking marketing executive just for you at your convenience. Get all your questions answered and your dilemma sorted. This is a super flexible model with no commitment or overhead costs. Just get the help you need when you need it. Convenient and affordable. Book now on bit.ly slash go empire now. That's bit.ly slash go empire now. The link will also be in the episode details along with the rest of the good stuff. Back to you, Danny. So let's take all the theory we talked about here today. And why don't you tell us a true story that encompasses everything that we learned? All right. So that, that, that's nice. What happened to me specifically last week is that I'm working as an advisor with a young startup and they launched on the product time last week. For me, it, it felt, again, I'm speaking about it and I'm all goosebumps because what happened over there is that one of the co-founders decided he managed sales all the time. And he, he decided that uh, they understood that they needed marketing. They understood the what. They spoke with me. They spoke with other people as well. And uh, eventually they said that um, what we discussed, the thesis and the work plan that I offered sounds good to them. And it was so appealing that one of the co-founders decided to act as a CMO. So yeah. he's also CMO and CRO. This is the first time that he's doing proper uh, marketing. So for me, it was a great uh, way to see how someone from the founding team really rolling up their sleeves and say, all right, let's do that. I totally understand the why. And, I'm, I, and this, I said that I don't really agree with everything, but I understand that they need probably um, everything in what we discussed. And I saw it along the last three to four months, how this guy is actually learning and improving. And we built a team of freelancers, so he's managing them. As I said, I'm doing the advisory, and then my role is to inject knowledge and experience in-house, and he, he just got it. And we build methodologies and roadmap and budget and marketing PNL and the ICP and target audience and everything that you want with new messaging, new website, new positioning, new everything. Now they have, I think, an excellent marketing team. Uh, we launched on Product Hunt last week. We won second place. You know, it's a tiny team. All of them are freelancers, but it was all so well planned mm-hmm. and the, the vibes were so good. We couldn't know, we couldn't miss it. Really, we couldn't miss it. And I, it was the first time that I told to this guy that I, I felt that I can release my hands from the marketing grain uh, and so they can manage it. And they did it. You know, they won second place on product out with a lot of PR in, like in Geek Time and Mashable. And we did PR Newswire and a lot of social media posts and, and they really nailed it. It was so awesome uh, uh, to see that. And it's just an example that it can be done. Mm-hmm. And the brain power or the thesis that we start with, the brain power can actually, is actually happening. So th- in this example, it was really young uh, startup. But it can happen, and it is happening to other startups as well, even if they are more more mature. So this is a real-time example. Tomorrow I'm going to post about it, about what we actually achieved from this uh, uh, launch. And part Mm -hmm. of it will be, you know, just my observation of what I just uh, said about this Mm co-founder. Awesome. So let's uh, get back to our different types of CMOs. What does the engagement with them look like? If I'm the startup founder and you're a, a fractional CMO, where do I find you? How do I choose you? And what does the engagement look like? 
So first of all, you need to be there, you know, as far as affiliated. To in the, it to win it. To the, yeah, you need, and you need to know it. You need to know that you need to know marketing, not just why you need marketing, but you need to dip your hands a little bit uh, deeper within, in, in the ground of uh, the marketing ground because you need as a founder to defend not just this marketing leader that will uh, join along, but also their activities as far as related to what you communicate to the board or mm-hmm. what you communicate to the other, uh, other team members. So you really should be there mentally and, and even a little bit physically. And the other thing is to speak with X amount of people from the industry. And uh, of course, some of them are uh, entrepreneurs or ex-entrepreneurs, but most of them are marketing leaders. And then you can um, discuss with them, not who you need, but what you need for your uh, startup in order to grow. As I said, if these are the business KPIs, now we need to build the brand. So probably you will bring a T-shaped professional. It's like a T, professional model. The, t- the leg of the T is something you are strong at. And the table of the T is something that you have good knowledge, but you're not really strong at it and, and it's fine. So in this example, if you need to build a strong brand, you need to bring over a marketer, a marketing leader that's already been there, done that, that's right, related to build a big brand. But in the table of their T or their secondary skills are also to create demand and of course to do proper product marketing because if they will just build a big brand and no funnel and pipeline will be generated, you are in a, a square one again. So you need to speak with as many people, especially marketing professionals that will they work with you to define and refine what you actually need for marketing and what you should expect from someone that will come over. Uh, because anyone that you bring over probably will have their, you know, their 90-day kind of, uh, a, a, we can say, period of time in which they need to be observer for the first month and then to develop some sort of strategies and low-hanging fruit, especially to tactics. And then, of course, to start and communicate it and to work with other uh, leaders within the team. And here we have, again, those different kinds of solutions. As you gave an example, in this case, it's structural CMO. So probably you should define first uh, what is the work plan Mm-hmm. that you are going to work together. A proper work plan will be to, um, um, to to understand how marketing is going to achieve the business goals. And what are the first things in the work plan that need to be done? If you need to do branding, messaging, and positioning, uh, so be So let's do it. If it's to increase and uh, to convert better the pipeline that is already or the final already being generated, let's work on CRO, conversion rate optimization, on-site stuff. If you want to build demand engines or growth engines, so let's start with that. And the other thing is to understand the communication and the format. For instance, practical CMO with someone that, will, uh, that is working part-time in your company, they probably need to be available 24 hours. You know, if we have no, uh, no life, work-life uh, balance, <laughs> but they need to actually work uh, given days in, in each week. I'm not doing functional CMO kind of work, but practical CMOs are consulting with me, telling me that this is the hardest part once having a client is to start and to understand how they can define the work hours and what days, what happens if they are taking a vacation? So they owe to this company hours. Can they close the gap during mm-hmm. the night mm-hmm. or not? Is it synchronous kind of uh, communication or asynchronous kind of communication? So it's very, it's closer to biology, I think, mm-hmm. than mathematics in this specific uh, uh, thing. But I think that the, every role from the four that I mentioned, have, it's like a trade-off, right? You have something that you lose and something that you wait for. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that this is the third thing that needs to be discussed is what is the actual communication format and model. And of course, pricing model, which is something that is very tough mm-hmm. uh, uh, to pinpoint with someone because special CMO need to probably take the salary that they usually can earn. And they, of course, divided by the amount of hours they're going to work. 
and probably add 30% to 50% more because they have their own expenses and of course they're not working full time. So each hour will be probably more uh, expensive than a regular uh, uh, hour. So again, you know, it's, you have different kinds of models. That's one of it. A great thing to do, I think, is that um, treat the functional CMO as your, um, you know, another employee. Of course, it's a key employee in your organization. They should have all the benefits that a regular employee should have. If it's a 10 list card or having an equity with vesting time, of course, something needs to be adjusted. You should think of them as an in-house employee, of course, with different kind of uh, conditions and terms in this mm-hmm. specific example. Cool. All right, we're nearing the end. Right, and for our last and final question, our tool chef. There are so many tools out there today. How can we know which is the best and why? So we thought we're getting all these amazing experts here. Why not ask them? So welcome to the Tool Shack. Every episode we recommend one and our guest recommends one as well. I'll go first. Our top shelf product for this episode is Social Bee. Social Bee is a social media management tool that helps startups create, schedule, and publish posts to all of your social media accounts from one place. Plus, Social Bee has powerful analytics tools so you can see what's working and what's not. Check it out on bit.ly slash topshelf07. That's bit.ly slash topshelf07. The link will also be in the episode details, along with the rest of the good stuff. Back to you, Danny. Thanks, Sam. What would you like to insert into our tool shot? What do you use on a daily basis and what can you not live without? I will tell you what, because I think it's what the last sentence that you said, what I cannot live without, I think. And again, I'm going to be super uh, regular over here and play. Uh, I think that the best product in the world is, is Google Docs and Google and huh. Spreadsheets and, and Google Slides. Really, mm-hmm. I think, I, I, I don't want to speak about ChatGPT and all those AI tools. There are a ton of them. I'm using them. They, they are nice. But again, each time that I'm opening a Google Slide, and because that I'm working with a lot of marketing executives and people with a lot of experience, each day I'm discovering something new that I didn't know how to tag people on that, how to create some sort of a calendar mm-hmm. out of them. Today, you have those AI tools being implemented on Google Docs. It's really, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's going to the clouds and beyond. Mm-hmm. And it's still, each time it's blowing uh, my mind away. I think that the asynchronous work for the new era, of mm-hmm. especially marketing, is so basic and so needed that Google Docs, is the, uh, Google Docs spreadsheets, etc. it's the best tools ever in order to properly execute it. I'm finding myself uh, meeting less and less people and, uh, and working more on those docs. So we can just collaborate really fast. And it's amazing. I think it's an amazing tool, really. The best one. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Any other tools? Um, you know, in, in the past uh, two weeks, uh, for another startup that I'm working uh, with, we recruit a leading uh, CMO uh, because there was no CMO in the company. And the, one, and the founders decided they need a CMO. I'm doing only advisory, so we recruited the CMO together. Mm-hmm. And she did a great, I think, one of the best marketing research that I ever seen in my life. She used similar web. It was so amazing to see the outcome and the result. And it was so, you know, the product people and the co-founders over there just stir at, at the result that they saw. And, you know, we really compiled it and we, we chewed it a bit for them. And you, you can really take a lot of insights from what you see out there from this tool and how to implement it, not just in your marketing world, uh, but also what pro- our product should react to this kind of uh, um, uh, information and, no- and knowledge that you gather from this tool because we did a great, I, I hope so, it was a great competitive analysis based on similar web pro. And really the, the results are just amazing, not just about their motion and their audiences, 
and all that, but also about features, about their funnel, about their data, your competitions. We even didn't need, we saw that we need to change the name of the company because we were going to target the USA and there was a big company with almost a similar name. So once we used the similar web pro tool, we understood that this company, they are not even targeting the States. They have 0.3% traffic coming from the States. So we said, all right, we don't need to do any kind of uh, rebranding for all our assets. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Eventually, we saw that this company is actually targeting only Asia and the, and the surrounding. So this is why we saw the result over there. But once you use this product, you know, so it was like, tuck like that. All right, no rebranding. <laughs> Let's move on to the outgrade demand and go. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Young Regev. We really learned a lot, didn't we? Thank you so much. Wow, that, that, was, that was a great one. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. That's a wrap. Thank you, Jan Regev, for teaching us all the weird and wonderful ways to build a marketing department. To learn more about his work, follow Jan Regev on LinkedIn. If you like this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with your pals. And don't forget to give us a star or five. Special thanks to the Startup Marketing Workshop for making this episode possible. See you next week.